This is Unbridled by Sophia Gray. Beneath a sun-kissed sky, a curious scene unfolds, a cart weathered and rustic with secrets untold, its wheels worn by journeys through dust and desire, resting not behind but leading, a feat to inspire. Ahead, a steed of ebony grace, mane unfurled, eyes aflame with dreams that span the world. With each stride, it paints a path of fervent flame, as if chasing the future, not following the same. Golden tendrils of dawn embrace this unconventional pair, their spirits entwined in a daring love affair. No reins, no shackles, just a shared wild decree to chase what's elusive, to be wholly free. The cart, a canvas of dreams adorned with hope's bloom, a vessel of stories weaving through twilight's gloom. With a horse, a partner in this wondrous duet, they dance through the hours, their destiny set. In this paradoxical tango of night into day, the cart before the horse, they boldly sway. Each step a testament to life's ceaseless force in this captivating, mystifying, and limitless course. hello hello that was a lovely poem it was a lovely poem i wanted to include it because this episode's based on innovation and forever looking into the future Hmm. curious are you now well welcome jessica to another situation welcome ingrid to the same place (laughs) (laughs) okay well look at us we are here again and it was only we did it. We did it. Yes, I'm not really sure why, but it sounds like you have an aviary in your background. <laughs> I think my kids are watching a show. <laughs> well, are you ready? I am ready, sister. Okay. Inform me. Inform me on the innovation. Okay. Here we go. I'm going to talk to you about an incredibly adorable and interesting man, the Michelin Man. Pronounced Michelin. And if you like older guys, tune in because he dates back to 1898. Story tells of the brothers Michelin, Edouard, and Andre. And I am not going to do the French accent throughout this entire thing. Je te le, why not? <laughs> because I, will, I will try a little bit, but I'm sure it's going to be annoying if I keep doing it. Because I don't do it well. That's why it would be annoying. Back in those times, tires were white and thin as they were mainly marketed for bicycles. The Lion Universal Expedition in 1894, not expedition, exhibition, Edouard was looking at their display of stacked tires on a table. He mentioned that if they added arms, it would look like a man. And now let's go back a little bit more in time to learn how we got to the exhibition in the first place. The niece of chemist Charles McIntosh married Edward Dobry. McIntosh had made the discovery that rubber was soluble in benzene. He would use that to create rubber bouncy balls for her niece in her childhood. That niece's husband was an entrepreneur, and she recreated these toys in his workshop, leading to the 1829 introduction of rubber into the Clermont Ferrand Company. Dobry partnered with his cousin Aristide. Aristide Barbier 
1832. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it. I looked up some of these words. They developed a farm machinery business and utilized rubber in manufacturing many of their products. The company quickly became internationally known. However, when the founders died in 1863 and 1864, things became a little bit more difficult for the company. In 1889, Babier's daughter Adele was married to Jules Michelon. She was certain rubber still had a strong future. She enlisted the help of her two sons, Edouard and André Michelon. Okay, I'm going to – he's Edward and André now. Is this still going to be Michelon or or can it be Michelon? I'll say Michelon now. (laughs) (laughs) I spelled it phonetically. (laughs) Nice. Phonetically French. The boys agreed to change the company name to Michelin and Company, and they quickly found new ways to incorporate rubber. 1891 brings us to the story of how the modern tire came about. A cyclist had been riding by the Michelin company when he developed a flat tire. The tires during that time were glued on to the rim. Edward wanted to fix it. I feel like when I say Edward, I sound like Julia Roberts in um, in Pretty Woman. Edward. You're, you're not Julia Roberts. Close. <laughs> I'm awfully close. Mariah. Mariah. (laughs) (laughs) It's because I have her singing voice. (laughs) Yoki. Okay. So Edward wanted to fix the tire for the cyclist. The process of repairing and re-gluing took hours. Edward test drove the bike after the repair and it quickly failed. He was then determined to create an alternate superior tire. And he did. With his new invention, the, re- the tire repairs only took 15 minutes. And with his new invention, Charles Tarrant won the Paris-Brest-Paris race over eight hours before the second place cyclist finished. That's insane. I know. Eight hours? Eight hours, yes. Wow. In 1895, the Michelin brothers debuted tires on a car that raced in the Paris-Bordeaux-Paris race. It didn't win but it gained attention as the first car to, quote, ride on air. As the development of automobile tires evolved, proper advertisement or advertisement would be needed to bring attention to them. Do I need to stop? I mean, I want you to. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I might have to do it a little bit more. We'll see. Okay, so that brings us to 1898, the birth of the lovable Michelin man. But he wasn't so cuddly at first. Enlisting the help of caricaturist Marios Rosion, known as (laughs) Ogalu. I don't know how to say it otherwise because, again, I typed it in phonetically French. Okay, so a man made of tires was created with the help of that guy. He initially took on the form of a cartoon used to advertise for a German brewer. The beer stein was replaced with a goblet filled with broken glass and nails. In his other hand, he held a smoldering cigar. The quote that accompanied the poster was Nunc es bibendum, which is Latin for now is the time to drink. Bibendum would... (laughs) I know, isn't that great? What? Now is the time to drink. Yes. So this is this is so witty, I think. Bibendum would, quote, drink up the obstacles or swallow the bumps in the road. 
making a smoother ride for the occupants of the vehicle. (laughs) So they're supporting drinking and driving. Oh, I'll get to that later. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) The new Michelin ambassador took off in popularity. People would dress up as Babendum and hand out Michelin Man dolls. He was found in posters across the world. Over the years and throughout the different countries, the Michelin Man took on different personas. He would don local attire and could be seen in a cape, wearing spectacles or a monocle, and receiving adoration from all of those around him. After the 1930s, outsourcing to artists slowed down, making a more standardized version of the Michelin Man. He would still have variations in different countries, but overall his appearance was streamlined. He lost weight. The heavy boots characteristic of the German influence has been replaced by sportier driving shoes. Thicker truck tires replaced the thin bicycle tires. Bibendum appeared to become younger. With removal of his cigar and monocle, his sophisticated look was replaced with one more relatable to the broader middle class. The goblet and any connection to drinking was erased. After all, drinking and driving do not go together. And on that note, please remember that this holiday season, have your designated driver, Uber, Lyft, taxi, or party bus lined up, please. Nice plug. Yes. (laughs) Podcasters against drunk driving. Pad. (laughs) Okay, back to my actual topic. Despite all the changes to the Michelin Man, one thing has remained constant. He has always maintained his white color. Because of his adaptability and ever-evolving image, the Michelin Man continues to be internationally recognized. And in 2000, he was voted best logo in the world by Financial Times. A study showed that 90% of the world's population could instantly identify him. Wow, that's impressive. it is. And you know, I'm at... Go ahead. Do you have pictures of the old ones? I'll see if I can find some non-copyrighted okay. ones and, and put them up on our social media. Okay. Okay. Well, and you know what? I'm actually in the hunt for new tires. So, hey, Michelin, if you hear this and you, you know, want to throw a discount this way, that'd be cool. That's crazy. I am too. And actually, Costco has a sale on Michelin tires right they now. They sure do. So, Costco, if you also want to, you know... <laughs> <laughs> Throw a shout to Pad. Yeah. <laughs> Pad, Costco, and Michelin. <laughs> That's a trio that cannot be defeated. Oh, goodness. All okay, here sorry, on another ahead. situation. We brought it all together. Okay. <laughs> I'm not done. I know. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> now, when you hear the word Michelin, the man or the tire may not be the first thing that comes to mind. Perhaps you immediately imagine a fine dining establishment. Are the two related? Bien sûr, which means, of course, in French. In 1900, car travel was well established. Travelers were now capable of covering longer distances in their escapades. Andre Michelin wanted to make sure his customers would have resources literally at their fingertips. He created the Guide Michelin a 400-page compact red booklet. The information included recommendations for tire upkeep and repair. In addition, it was comprised of helpful material on garages, gas stations, hotels, restaurants, and even contained maps to those destinations. Quite intuitive because it promoted vehicular travel and therefore purchase of tires. 
All of that was available at no cost to the consumer for 20 years. Of course, today we understand that everything comes at a cost, but the Michelin brothers initially had no intention of charging. That is, until Andre noticed several of the guidebooks were being used as a prop for a workbench in a tire shop. The brothers quickly adapted to the line of thinking that man only respects what he pays for. In 1920, the brand new Michelin guide would only be available for purchase at the cost of seven francs. To make this price worthwhile to customers, the brothers included, for the first time, hotels and restaurants in Paris. All restaurants were listed according to categories. The pair then enlisted mystery diners to visit establishments and provide anonymous reviews. Those mystery diners are currently known as restaurant inspectors. In 1926, the star rating was initiated. At first, only one star would be awarded to a fine dining establishment. Additional stars ranking 1 through 3 were added in 1931. The meaning of the stars or the criteria was published in 1936. One star equals high-quality cooking or it's worth a stop. Two stars means excellent cooking, worth a detour. And three stars is exceptional cuisine, worth a special journey. It's important to recognize the stars are only awarded for the quality of the cooking. The atmosphere, level of service, or the physical dynamics of the establishment itself are not considered when rating. Those additional items may be mentioned in the review, though. Just a quick side note, timing for this episode was totally not intentional, but it was almost a year ago to the date, happy birthday, mom, that we were at a Michelin three-star restaurant for our mom's 70th birthday. Mm -hmm. And it was French. Do you remember the name of it? No. It was the French Laundry in Yountville, California. Yount. Yountville. And you know what? We'll post a picture of us in the kitchen with the chef. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. It was quite delicious. It was, and quite an uh, experience. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was fun because our servers eventually started goofing around with us. Yes. Okay. I think they have to be, like, professional all the time. And we are not. We are anything but. <laughs> we were so out of place. <laughs> we looked nice, though. Yes. Mom was Mom was in her element. We were not. <laughs> <laughs> and we were full of wine, so that just oh added on to it. <laughs> yes. Oh, my goodness. And do you remember that, like, that drive there over the mountain in the rain? Yes. Yes. It was the worst, horrible. worst experience of my life. There's like no lights at all. Ugh. None. And mm. and no ledge. Okay. So yeah. <laughs> that has thank God we had Michelin tires on our vehicles. Yes, that we got from Costco. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and we weren't drinking and driving either. And no, there were no goblets of nails in our vehicle. Nope. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Back to the Michelin stars. They're awarded and reviewed annually. The following criteria are considered, and this is a direct quote from the Michelin guide I found online. The quality of the ingredients used, the mastery of cooking and culinary techniques, the harmony of flavors, the personality of the cuisine and 
as expressed through the dishes and consistency both across the entire menu and between visits. While awards are only announced once each year and the dates vary by location, the inspectors are always traveling and trialing cuisine. To allow consumers to enjoy fine dining experiences right away, they will immediately publish reviews on new establishments felt to meet Michelin standards. Also worth mentioning, the Star Awards do not necessarily reflect the cost of meals. The guide lists monetary variation in the form of one to four dollar signs or euro signs. And how can you be in the know? That's super easy. Just sign up for regular updates on their website. The website, along with other sources, can be found in the show notes. That's so interesting that the Michelin stars really came from the tires. I didn't think they did. I thought it was just a coincidence that they had the same name. How cool is that, though? That is cool. That makes a lot of sense, too. Mm -hmm. This is kind of a fun episode for me to read and learn about. I don't know if it was fun. I don't know if it was fun for you. <laughs> it, w- it wasn't unpleasant. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I'll give it one Michelin star. <laughs> oh, man. Let's do some bees then. Okay. Do you want to start? Be a fluffy white guy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh-huh. Sounds very misogynistic of you. <laughs> well, he always, the Michelin man and the Stay Puff Marshmallow man, like always um, coincide in my head. So when I think of one, I think of the other. So be oh, big and puffy. They, and they all look the same to you? Is that what you're trying to say? <laughs> they do. Big, <laughs> puffy, white things. <laughs> what is wrong with you? I don't know. Be rateable. <laughs> hey give us five stars on this episode by the way <laughs> not three five five <laughs> don't be drinking nails and shards of glass in your mug how about this don't be drinking alcohol and driving this holiday season yeah be safe be happy be healthy yes <laughs> be alive be alive live to Listen to another podcast episode by another situation. La, 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 live for today. All right. And don't worry about tomorrow. Stop. Stop. Why? (laughs) I don't know why. Okay. (laughs) Okay, then. Well, that's it. And we will be back again later this month at Mm -hmm. some point. Mm Mm-hmm. You will hear our voices again. Yes. And check us out on Instagram and Facebook. I will at least post the pictures of us at the Michelin star, three-star restaurant, French Longerie. And I will try to find some non-copyrighted Michelin man photos to share. I'm going to Google it. You can Google it. You can Google it. Yeah. Free of charge. Yes. Okay. Well, bye. Oh, bye. Bon- bonjour. Oh. Bonjour. Okay. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> if you'd like to reach out to us or submit your situation, please contact us at another situation podcast at gmail.com or find us on Instagram at another situation podcast. We're also on Facebook at another situation. 
Another Situation is produced and edited by Point Five Pinoy. Music is written and performed by Tim Crow. Thank you.